Candle Strike game. Place for tabletop games, mysteries, magic, and more. Learn well and enjoy your stay. Roll for initiative. Gentlemen, we are here on a fantastic universes podcast. My name is Adam Ray, one of the co-authors and co-creators of the site, the forger of this place. And unlike my father, the keeper of all things comics, I am here to talk about the wild world of trading card games, tabletop games, and anything magical and mysterious. And joining me this week is my very dear friend, almost my blood brother, Will Stott. Say hello to the internet, my friend. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you. Always a pleasure. Uh, so, Will, why don't you regale the world with the story of how we came to be in powerful planeswalker land, as how we became magic players, what feels like a long time ago at this point. Yeah, it does feel like a long time ago. Um, good in the hay, it's in the good heydays of university, I believe. We started a little group called Gaming Society, um, and a few nerds there had got into magic, and we sort of shambled over and saw these strange cards and strange spells happening. Um, Adam, being the alpha nerd, of course, got into it first and introduced me, and yeah, we went from there, really. Him yeah. being the blue player and me being the green player. We were both honourable enemy cards. We, we, we sort of t- taught each other to play, I feel like, all of those weird lunch breaks in the library and all of our friends judging us for just being there with our cards instead of studying. <laughs> yeah, we were bad students. Oh, well, we made it out with good grades in the end. <laughs> yeah, we prioritised magic, though. Yes, we did. And one of the big priorities of any Magic player is always the new releases. War of the Spark is just a short couple of weeks away. And, well, I feel like we have this thing going on that we get extra hype for whenever a new set drops. But in all seriousness, this set looks mental. Oh, yeah. Every time pre-release and uh, spoiler season comes, it's like Christmas. You're looking forward to your presents. Yeah, and there are a lot of presents in this one. What were your first hot takes when they said 36 Planeswalkers to this set? I thought Wizards had lost their minds, to be honest. I could not comprehend (laughs) how they were going to put 36 Planeswalkers in this set. I'd heard some of the rumours going around that they were just going to sort of scale them down a little bit and just do the approach that they did to the Dominaria Legends of making uh, the uncommon ones just a little shade less powerful than rare ones, and they've pretty much done that. And between that and some of the new design space, I love the look of some of these Planeswalkers. Hmm. I mean, the way they've gone about it is very interesting. I pictured sort of lots of low mana, very weak planeswalkers, but they've actually kind of not done that. They've done something a little bit different. Yeah, they've done a really good universal templating about how all of the planeswalkers look about. All of the mythic ones have three abilities, the plus, the middle ability, and an ultimate. All of the rare ones have two abilities, a plus and a good value piece, and all the uncommon ones just tick down, so they're almost enchantments. So I feel like there's been able to balance some of the power across multiple rarities for these powerful cards really well. Yeah, Uncommon Planeswalkers feels so weird. Yeah, an Uncommon Planeswalker like Vraska Swarm's Eminence. She's to double Golgari, so black or green mana for five loyalty. And I love what they've done here. They've put static effects or triggers onto Planeswalkers as just a line of text. Some of them are yeah. really powerful as well. 
it's got rid of the make an emblem and it basically says you've already got an emblem but it's kind of weaker but do with it something which i like yeah, yeah they're an emblem that are that are much more easy to remove much more fair emblem so whenever a creature you control with death touch deals damage to a player or planeswalker it deals damage of course if it trades in uh, if it trades in if it has an effect that like a fight spell maybe or like a chandra's ignition that's interesting yeah, I can't remember the phrasing of uh, thud, I think it was, the spell. I'm not sure if that would count. In that. I don't think... I think thud is like um, like fling. You, you sacrifice it and it deals the damage. But uh, that's still it's still an interesting way to phrase it because uh, something like Chandra's Ignition, the, the creature deals damage to each other creature and each opponent. So, yeah, whatever creature you control with death touch deals damage to a player or planes will put a counter on it. And she can minus two. She comes in on five. She minus twos to make a one-one black assassin with death touch. And when it deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy it. That's quite strong, and that's setting the tone for the uncommon planeswalkers really well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we've actually seen quite a lot of. We'll get onto them later, I'm sure. A lot of other cards which can tick up those planeswalkers anyway. So the minus effects don't seem quite so bad. They've all been statted so that you can minus them as much as you can, and they'll linger around with one loyalty and keep working their ability like an enchantment, which I think is really powerful. They've been able to manage some of the uncommon planeswalkers as well, really well, including Meme Lord himself, Tybalt. I can't. I knew he'd come back, but I still can't believe it. Oh, he's the fan favorite because back in the story, he was like a demonic cultist, like a torturer, but. When they saw how terrible his card was, even though pre-order prices for him back in Everson Restored was like $50 because a two-mana planeswalker had never been done before, and then everyone read him and realized that he was trash, this this table actually is pretty good. Yeah, he's definitely uh, a brother to Judith, I think. Yeah, he definitely goes into a Judith-style deck, two and a red for five loyalty. Your opponents can't gain life. Now, I've heard some flack in the player base that the same mana three loyalty for half of Leyline of Punishment is already in standard, but it's been banned, the Ferocidon. Ah, right. That'd be interesting to see how it affects that, then. It'll be really bad for your playstyle, doesn't it, Mr. Tokens? Uh, yeah, well, there's another card that is even worse, and I'll point that we'll out get- later. Yeah, yeah, you point, you point that out to us in a second. But I think the problem is that Frostodon really locks out tokens because whenever a creature enters its control, it takes the damage. So yes. Marge of the Multitude looks awful because it makes lifelink tokens as well. Yeah, that, that really punishes you, doesn't it? So. Yes, I think that's why that card's probably going to stay in Commander Burn decks. As for Tybalt, he makes 1-1 uh, Red Devils that when they die, they deal a damage to any target, just like Footlight Fiend. Yeah, and of course, if you've got Judy out as well, that's another damage on top of that as well. It all stacks up pretty quickly. Yeah, it really does stack up, especially with the You Can't Gain Life clause. If you play have Judy out and you sacrifice it to a uh, Fireblade Artist, that's 4 damage. Cause yeah, I did a lot of that myself when I built uh, Mardu Hero Precinct 1. Being able to feed Footlight Fiends to that creature is something that's very effective to just, like, bur- turbo burn your opponent's face. I have another Planeswalker coming from this set that I might shot slot into that deck that I'll bring up in a minute. But yeah, they've managed the uncommon Planeswalkers really well. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if anyone's been picking up on this in, like, standard preview season, but there's a small wolf sub-theme in this set. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this. Well, yeah, because we have Arlen, Voice of the Pack here, one of the more 
expensive ones, one of the six mana uncommon planeswalkers. Each creature you control that's a wolf or werewolf enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And you can minus two her to make effectively a three, three wolf token. Now, with green, I always think green needs to get me value. Green needs to get me big or lots of creatures. And Arlen, I want to love her, but she just doesn't do it for me. It's because she's six mana, isn't it? Yeah, it's because she's six mana. <laughs> she's good in limited, and she's good in commander wolf decks, because commander needs wolf deck support, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. However, six six mana for nine power over three turns, I think it's still pretty decent in limited. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just you'd expect more from a six mana planeswalker, I feel. Yes, but these are the uncommon planeswalkers. They will not be the game-breaking things like Teferi or New Bolas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's another good one to talk about? Kaya Bane of the Dead, formerly an interesting character from the Conspiracy storyline. She's here, and she's taking Hexproof from your opponent's stuff. Now, this is a really interesting one, actually. Um, of course, another famous YouTuber is very, very excited about this one. The wedge is very on this, and the counterspell is just a little bit above her on scryfall.com. I mean, but, just getting rid of that uh, giant hexproof dinosaur we all love. Yes, anything that can make Carnage Tyrant die to a cast down is still pretty good. That's why I snapped up copies of Detection Tower very quickly. She comes in on seven loyalty for six mana, and her minus three is exile target creature, which is just delicious. Yeah, that's just a remover creature. They can't do nothing about it. Yeah, because taking away Hexproof even gives her game against the mono blue deck because Dive Down seems a lot worse now. Yeah, that's very true, actually. Nidness Dive Down will, you know, suffer a bit there. Any non-instant, non-sorcery way to deal with a Nidmiz is also a very powerful effect. I had a friend in one of my commander circles have a dream that the new Kiora was just two mana, was just Simic Simic instead of two in a cynic, and he was very close to buying lots of copies of Mox Amber, but then we saw this Kiora Behemoth Beckoner, and he got a little sad. Oh, <laughs> I still love her, actually. Um, I, do, I do run, of course, my Selvala deck, and I wish I could put her in there so much. There's been a couple of petitions going around to just say that hybrid works in regardless of the colour identity, so it could go in a mono-green deck or a mono-blue deck, but a reasonable untapper like this... And then tapping for minus one, and she comes down on seven loyalty for three mana is very strong. I feel like her plan is for limited to be able to untap your larger creature, but still there's a lot of potential here. Yeah, she, she's definitely meant to be coupled with, I forget the name, Vanifor, that's it. Yeah, they're definitely a couple made in heaven there. Because uh, in standard, you go Lanor Elves into Incubation Druid, or actually, you want a two-drop that gets you value when it enters, so like a Murthog Branch Walker or a Kite Self Rebooter into maybe Jade Light Ranger, into Vanifar, into Biogenic Ooze, into Carnage Tyrant or Ravager Worm. The the chains in standard Vanifar is very strange, but even so, I think Kiora, this Kiora goes with uh, into Commander Vanifar, the already competitive Commander deck that is a true Vanifar chains deck. <laughs> Sam, it's the red-green uncommon planeswalker. I feel like they're going to try and make it so that they have the cycle of all of the color pairs at uncommon and then some of the key characters at rare and then the big characters at mythic. Okay, so this one, Adam, please, please, please explain to me what is happening. Sam, Tyrant Smasher, two double gruel for five loyalty. Uh, creatures you control have haste. Minus target creature gets plus two plus one and gains haste to understand scry one. Why? Because she has gives blanket haste, but her pump ability also gives haste. 
You need double haste, mister. You need double haste. She's already fought Bolas and these and this army of undead. She wants her army to be extra hasty. I even <laughs> love that there's there's a signature spell with the planeswalker's name and an effect on an instant or sorcery, and Sam at Sprint is target creature, gets plus two plus one and gains haste. Scry one. I just I You don't, don't know. get it, do you? Not yeah. at all. Like I get the flavour of you've gotta go fast, but why? Why? Yeah. It's because she has t- she. It's a minus one ability, and she comes down on five, so she can pump five things. But when she goes away, the creature will still have haste. Ah, uh, okay, that makes a little bit more sense, I suppose. She just wants everyone to be super hasty until she's done her job and boosted five things. But then that fifth creature is still hasty. Yeah, yeah, it would have been just nice because I believe her original one gave double strike. Um, yeah, her first, first planeswalker card gave double strike. Yeah, would have been nice to see that, but. Yeah, that's just me being a Double Strike fan. It's Double Strike's quite strong for an Uncommon Planeswalker Unlimited, I think. I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that, to be honest. So a Planeswalker that couldn't actually exist before the XLN rules change is the Wanderer, the mono-white Planeswalker, because she's legendary Planeswalker and no subtype. And she is you and me and everyone. I think it was a, a Q&A and... Someone asked uh, wizards who she is, and they said it's basically you, the player, which is kind of a weird thing. Oh, well, I like that. I like the flavour of that, and it certainly makes a lot more sense than her just being Elspeth. Yeah, I definitely don't want her to be Elspeth. That makes no sense. (laughs) I would like Elspeth to show up because I proved to you that she is still alive. Yeah, yeah, but we haven't seen her yet, interestingly. She probably will appear. I hope they find a way to justify her being around, or for at least them having a good reason as to why Garrick won't show up, because Garrick won't show up. Poor Garrick. He'll come back one day. They're saving him to be a decent mid-level villain for a future set sometime in the future. Mm, that'd be cool, yeah. But anyway, yeah, the Wanderer has uh, got some good abilities there. Uh, four mana for five loyalty. Pre- uh, she prevents all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and other permanents you control. Sorry, Burn. Yeah, sorry, Burn. And she minus twos to exile target creature with power four or greater. So that's a stronger smite the monstrous, which was quite good in the limited back of its day. But yeah, I mean it's obviously a sideboard card. Four mana, a little bit high, but the fact it can just turn off some decks is, you know, not to be shrugged at. That's true. It does turn off burn quite nicely. I don't know how much the exile would have targets in burn but it's still quite nice to be able to just turn off that whole shock and lightning strike and lava coil and stuff. Mm, yeah, seems a bit split. It's turning off burn, and then the ability is doing more bigger creatures. It's kind of weird, but... Angry Minotaur Man. He just left Exelan, and now he's back. <laughs> he's back. The Rakdos 1, 2, and double Rakdos, Angrath, Captain of Chaos. He gives your dudes menace, and you can minus 2 to amass 2. One of the new mechanics, I think, is quite spicy. Yeah, so does this mean he's working for Bolas then, or does he just like making armies? He's, well, it's specifically an army of the undead from Amonkhet, so I feel like he might work for Bolas. Yeah, interesting. I don't think he has quite the attitude to take over the Rakdos like he did for the other planeswalkers that wanted to take over, but this might be their way of saying that he's just got so much experience as being a captain in the high seas that he's captaining undead, an undead horde for Bolas. Yeah, okay, I'd say that Angress probably could be aligned with Bolas. Yeah, in a sort of very loose way, but either way, this new 
ability of a mouse. I just really dig that as a token player. You would. It's just a free way to make a very large token consistently. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If you um, had Anthem effects, then being able to populate the army token is still quite nice. And when you uh, amass, if you have multiple armies, you decide which one gets the counters. Yeah, yeah. So it does have a bit of remove proof. As the, interesting as some of the uncommon planeswalkers are, especially now that they've actually made the effort to put in some of the static effects, the rare ones I feel like are some of the ones that are going to be more pushed towards seeing constructed play, including new mono green mascot Vivian Champion of the Wilds, one of the first rare planeswalkers I think is worth having a quick look at. Yeah, they're definitely pushing Vivian. As a character, yes, because they get a whole like span a story between corset and guilds which was really no- which was a really nice read so vivian champion of the wilds two and a green i like they're being very brave with the costs of some of these some of these planeswalkers actually being able to make them splashable into other decks considering how good the mana is in standard playing vivian in a three color creature deck isn't actually unreasonable considering she's only a green pip so you may cast creature spells as though they had flash so that's already comparable to yeva from Standards passed and command a mono green all star. Her plus one is until your next turn, uh, up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. Being able to, she's she's always been able to hate on flies with her minus and her big mythic version from the core set. So this is just another shower that which is really nice. Yeah, well, bow and arrow, <laughs> bow and arrow, bow and arrow indeed. And the rare planeswalkers, their minuses aren't necessarily ultimates; they're more value piece uh, abilities. So for Vivian, it's look at the top three cards of your library, uh, exile one face down, put the rest on the bottom of your library. In any order, you may, for as long as that card remains exiled, you may look at it and cast it if it's a creature card. So you effectively draw, in a safe way, a creature to flash out later, which is very strong. Um, but yeah, it seems pretty sick. Um, sort of funny interaction if you couple her and Teferi. The new Teferi? Or the... New Teferi, yeah. Yes, the one... that later, I'm sure, but... Yeah, we could probably have a look at him next, I'd imagine. Uh, so read read her ability, then read Teferi's ability. So she gives all of your creatures flash, but Teferi makes it you can only cast spells any time someone could cast a sorcery, just like uh, Teferi back when he was a creature, the Major of Zelfir. Mm, so I guess Teferi wins in that. That depends. That's a very complicated rules thing that judges like to call layers. Oh, no, I stay away from layers. Yeah, so the layering effect takes precedent kind of like the stack. Whatever the newest uh, overarching uh, state-based rules-changing effect comes in most recently, that's the one that applies. So if you you had Vivian out and then I cast and then I played Teferi, Teferi was newer, therefore his ability would take precedence because he would cast things only at a sorcery. If Teferi was removed, then Vivian would work as she would. If I had Teferi out and then you played Vivian, Vivian would be able to be, to be a player, play out first, I believe. Oh, interesting. I okay, believe. that's not I, what I thought. I believe. I feel the uh, I feel the internet starting to shout at me, even though I haven't at the time of this recording. <laughs> but I'm reasonably sure that that's how layering effects work. And it always takes precedent on the new permanent. But even so, in... A control mirror to fairy making all of your opponent's stuff work at sorcery speed is very, very strong. Yeah, to fairy seems like he can just wreck another control, sort of a control matchup or something. He's also particularly strong in 
a deck that may have a lot of particularly powerful, like, straight-up sorceries to be able to plus him to be able to play them at flash speed. Just, you can flash out Divination in Standard. You could flash, take Vengeance, destroy target tapped creature. There, there, there are possibilities. So I feel like a more... A deck that could play t- on its own turn without Teferi is good. A deck that can play on your opponent's turn with sorceries that otherwise wouldn't be able to see play on your opponent's turn is still quite an interesting thing. And the fact that he's three mana means he comes down early, goes to five loyalty, and has those sorceries to be able to protect him possibly, uh, I think is quite interesting. Yeah, definitely seem, definitely seems like the good old-fashioned strong Teferi we're used to, just in a very different way. The minus of minus three, return up to one target artifact creature or enchantment to its owner's hand and draw a card. Yeah. That's, that's so good. <laughs> so yeah. good. We're definitely going to see some interesting sorceries with him being put into sort of more decks. So. Still noticeably very good. Another, switching away from Planeswalkers off a minute, an interesting reprint that might actually enable like a good possibly off blue-red spell slinger deck, or even still on blue-red, is the reprint of Augur Bolas. Yeah, yeah, lovely um, artwork there. It's getting the FNM promo treatment as well, which I really like. Yeah, two, uh, one in the blue for the 1-3 Merfolk Wizard. When it enters, look at the top three, take an instant or sorcery, put the rest on the bottom. When it got reprinted in Modern Masters at Common, it set Pauper afire and did a lot of things in that format as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting how it will affect the standard meta game at all, so... I feel that these strong spell-slinger sort of decks, Drakes, maybe Teemo would at least consider the early blocker, early card filtering. Yeah. Uh, a Planeswalker I wanted to quickly touch on, because I've been playing Mardu in some of my local meta to some some success. One that I definitely want to consider playing is the new Sorin, Sorin Vegetable Bloodlord. Ah, uh, yeah, he's back. Yes, he's back. He's come out of the wall. <laughs> And he's probably not happy. He's very not. He's very not happy. He, as is displayed in the flavor text of the new Wrath single combat, not even the threat to the entire multiverse could persuade them to put aside their feud between him and Nahiri. <laughs> just this massive battle, and those two are just at it by themselves. That's quite odd, but I like it. As for Sorin, I'm pl- I'm thinking of running at least two or three of him in Mardu Hero Precinct One, just the Judith Agro Shell with Sorin to give all your aggro guys lifelink is just terrifying. I don't know. That would probably fit in with a few things printed in this set, actually, uh, such as the monument, I think it was. The which one? The the big um, one, the big policy one. The big policy one, indeed, yeah. I have an interesting uh, point to talk about that one. We can switch to that one next, I think. Uh, but as for Sorin, giving all of your creatures and Planeswalkers lifelink life and his plus two to be able to deal a damage to a player or Planeswalker, doing that would gain you a life, and that turns on Spectacle. Oh, good point there. Yeah, so he actually does quite a lot for you already. He does quite a lot for the Judith-based decks, and minus X to return a creature card with converted mana cost X to the battlefield. In that deck, you sacrifice your one and two mana creatures so often, and Judith's such a huge removal target, that having that kind of recursion on a Planeswalker that comes out with so much loyalty is so, so strong. Yeah, it just becomes a loop of seeing those little one mana dorks, not one mana dorks, but, you know, the devils coming back and just being real pains for that deck. Definitely, definitely. I'm very excited about this, Sorin. I've 
can try and find some slots for him in into Mardu. The um so the Bolasi looking monument, is that what you wanted to talk about? Bolasi yeah, Citadel. This, this is gonna be uh EDH staple, I think. Bolas Citadel, three triple black for a legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. Tap, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. Woof. <laughs> now, the tap ability seems kind of strange. Obviously, really powerful, but kind of strange. The fact you have to sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Um, I guess that would be quite nice with sort of things like treasure or clues. Anything you don't mind doing with that, but... Yeah, seems good. And it's each opponent that loses 10 life, worth noting. Yep, that way it doesn't target and you hit multiple people at the commander table. Yeah, yeah. But even that static ability, that is just powerful. Looking at the top card of your library is already... Yeah, that is good. And then just being able to play it is insane. That makes uh, your life count sort of a resource, which is... We've already had one mechanic where... Paying life instead of mana is strong, but this is at a higher rate, paying one life per mana instead of paying two life per Phyrexian mana, which is just scary. I mean, obviously, it's going to be a big target. If you slap that down, that is going to... You're going to have to protect that, because that is going to go. Now that I think about it, being able to look at and play the top card of your library, regardless of mana, it's like a roided-up experimental frenzy, because you don't have to care about the mana anymore. Exactly, yeah. You can just go off with it. Yeah, depending on how loose, hard and fast you are with your life total, you can just drill down through most of your deck until you hit land, land. Yeah, if you've got that life locked down, why not? Um, It's also important to note it's look at, you're not revealing. So it's just little things like that which make this card really sweet. I feel like this goes straight into like the dedicated life gain commander decks, Karlov, Aloro and Eile. Yes, definitely those three for certain. And it probably could do some I would say it could do some silly things in standard with Lich's Mastery but you'd have to exile cards from hand or board or grave to keep playing things. I don't know how well a feedback loop would work there. I can't really see this in standard but if it is in standard deck it would be a very funky deck indeed. And I'd love to see it. We still have a Sanguine Sacrament in the format. Uh, you gain twice X life, put Sacrament on the bottom of the deck, which is just the weirdest ramp spell ever for a Bolas Citadel deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting to see anyway. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's a mono-black legendary artifact. So I feel like there may be a cycle going on with uh, coloured legendary artifacts because we've already seen vivian's arc bow here ah interesting okay it's it's sort of a homage to um amon ket when they had the obviously all the artifacts for each of the gods there yeah they're monuments yeah those were a strong cycle you played uh mono white's a great success before it was even a thing in standard (laughs) that was a good deck very good deck but Vivian's Arcbow, uh, pay X, tap it, discard a card, look at the top X, you may reveal a creature card with converted mana cost X from among them, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle the rest onto the bottom. That's really strong digging, because you're not even putting it to hand, you're putting it into play. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange card. I like it. Um, obviously, you can get rid of those lands late game if you don't need them anymore. Look for something. I don't know. I'm, I'm really not sure, standard-wise. Obviously, Commander, something like that, that could really be abused. 
I feel like the cycle will be commander cards, but the two mana and paying as much as you want to get as much value is still close to standard playable, but we still have stuff like Bedevil in the format, which I feel like we might, might see a bit more play, because it says destroy target planeswalker for three mana. Uh, another rare planeswalker and favorite of yours is a new Ajani that I'm also looking to play in Bant Hero of Precinct 1. Yeah, AJ. Two, a green and a white for five loyalty. Creatures you control have a, have vigilance. You can plus one to gain three life, and you can minus two to put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control, and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control. Plus one, I'm not mad about. Obviously, gaining life isn't great. Uh, it's just a sort of a plus one ability, but the minus two, for sure, that is going to be abused. The minus two is what's going to see going to see play that and giving your team vigilance. Ticking up other planeswalkers when there's 36 other planeswalkers, or 35, I suppose. That is going to be really powerful. That's what's going to definitely put him into consideration for like the commander tables as well. And even on like a board of tokens, giving all of your team a plus one, plus one counters is just incredibly strong as well. That's why I'm interested in putting him into a Bant here at Precinct 1 deck. Uh, I showed you the list, right? It's the same green-white tokens list, but I'm forcing blue for Dovin Barn and Hydro Crisis. Yeah, that, that list looks pretty sweet, actually. So be interesting to see how that affects it. Yeah, because right now my four drop is Conclave Cavalier, which I'm not in love with. Um, no, it's a Johnny now. <laughs> yeah, it's a Johnny now. Which I think is just fine. Uh, but the real powerful planeswalkers, I feel like, are going to be the mythic ones, because they are templated just like planeswalkers we're used to. A plus, uh, a minus that does something effective, and an ultimate that usually breaks the game wide open. Uh, one of the good mythic planeswalkers I think we could still talk about was one of the first ones we saw, Liliana Dreadhorde General. How did you take the trailer, by the way? I haven't got around to talking to you about that masterpiece. Oh, the trailer. That was pretty interesting, actually, the way they did it. They reversed everything. Um, yeah. Is she dead? <laughs> That's why everyone's asking. Probably, I think. But at least she redeemed herself in the end. It seemed kind of weird that she did it as they were marching up to Bolas. Surely just wait when they're under Bolas? Because otherwise she's just going to die before they even get to Bolas. But that's just me nitpicking. Uh, I feel like she turned them on Bolas. This is a spur-of-the-moment reaction to realising, screw you, dragon dude, I'm just going to send this giant zombie army up towards you. You could see the emotion there of all those people. That was quite heartfelt, I felt. So I like that. I just loved the trailer. It was so personal, just the use of the song and the way it was directed. It was some of the best cinema thing I've seen all year. You can find... Uh, my article about that somewhere on our website. Uh, but yeah, New Liliana, uh, Dreadlord General. Um, yep. So it does a really nice static ability, which we've all got to get behind, which is whenever a creature you control dies, you draw a card. Lovely. Unlike Midnight Reaper, that's whenever a creature dies, which is really good for her plus one to make a black 2-2 two, two black zombie token. Exactly, yeah. Tokens as well, that's, that's just powerful. Um, yeah, plus one make a dude. It's a token. I love it. <laughs> yes you do and then the minus four. Oh, that is nice each player sacrifices two creatures you make you activate that ability when you're ahead on board and you have two creatures you don't mind sacrificing because when you do you draw two cards 
Exactly. You get value from that. And that's each player again. So Commander, lovely. That's really good in any deck that plays it that betrays, because whatever they sacrifice comes to the board under your control. Extra value there. Lovely. Extra value also paired with her ultimate. Each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacrifices the rest. Yeah, so... Yeah. (laughs) That is a really funky kind of ultimate. Yep, you choose your best creature, your best enchantment, your best artifact, your best land, your best planeswalker, everything else goes. I really want to pair this with it. That betrays so that you just get a commander table's worth of stuff. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, just winning poker, isn't it? You just bring all those chips to your side. Just scooping towards you. Yeah, yeah lovely there. Um, and of course, I'm just going to quickly go off planeswalkers, my dude. Oh, yeah? Liliana's Triumph. Oh, the... Yes, I'm only seeing the promo version, but still, that's quite powerful. One in a black instant. Instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature. If you control a Liliana, each opponent also discards a card. Which is mad for uncommon two mana. That is mad. It's it's uncommon because Liliana is mythic, so if you probably win whatever draft you're doing, if you can get both halves to work in limited. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd but, run that even if it was a sorcery. In fact, it's an instant as well. That's just the icing on the cake for me. Reminds me of good old-fashioned Diabolic Edict or Chainer's Edict from good old Pauper. Sure, you can't play this one in Pauper, but two mana target player sacrifices a creature. It seems pretty good late game after a board wipe and they slam a Carnage Tyrant. Oh, Hexproof's really nice. It's cool. Get rid of it, please. <laughs> that's just yeah really good punishment there the uh the promo art looks really good it's just her just triumphant that you can get that at your open house at your local game store but the this paired with uh the zombies matters liliana from the core set makes that version of liliana much more playable and i can see this being considered as the premier two mana removal spell when cast down leaves the format at the end of the year mm-hmm. This does make me consider if we've got Liliana's Triumph, Liliana Dreadlord, General, and then we've got all these zombies um, and a mass, are we going to see a return of zombie decks? There's going to be a small zombie sub-theme with the mass mechanic. I hope that there's room for a zombie deck. We've still got Dread Baron in the format for a while. We've got Graveyard Marshal Sutcliffe, which I think is still an underrated card. Gutter Bones is pretty good. I feel like there's enough potential for a decent zombie deck out there. It just needs to find a shape. Yeah. That, if I were to make a deck, that would probably be it, interestingly enough. It just seems a really nice value deck that you could really get behind. So. It seems quite aggressive and quite mid-rangey at all spots in the cover, at least the version I'm sort of formulating in my head, because you've got Gutter Bones and Diagraph Ghoul as your one-drop. Above curve, one mana creatures is quite an aggressive start as it is. Yeah, you've got things like Eternal Taskmaster as well, which just seems a little bit of extra value. Two mana, you've also got your removal. You've got your cast down and Liliana's Triumph, which seems pretty nice. Three mana, you've also got a, a Graveyard Marshal to be able to turn the zombies you can't res into more zombie tokens, which is just a long game that a mid-range deck like that would need. Three mana, you've got your Midnight Reaper, which is... A zombie knight, which draws you more cards, which keeps you in the long game, which is a great card in the old Golgari decks before Allegiance. Yeah, for sure. Then into 
formal Liliana, maybe open the graves into new Liliana? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I've, this is the last card I've absolutely just got to talk about. It's the one card in this set which has just pulled and blown me away, actually, is Massacre Girl. Oh, Massacre Girl. She's been mentioned on Flavor Text ever since Return to Ravnica, but this we've been waiting for this creature to actually show up on a card for a while. Now, as a tokens player, this absolutely scares everything out of me. Um, it's actually very reminiscent of a Hearthstone card. Yes, um, I've seen I've seen that meme going around as well. Oh, really? I haven't even seen the meme. But, I'll yeah. try and I'll try and find it and send it to you soon. <laughs> but yeah, this I think this is going to see play for sure. Yeah, five, uh, three in double black for four four with menace. When she enters, or each other creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than massacre girl gets minus one minus one until end of turn. So as on a board full of tokens, that is an immediate board wipe, effectively. Yeah, if they've got three one ones down, that's gonna really do some work. That's minus four minus four to everything uh, immediately. Yep, and that kills Trostani. Because your son is a wonderful. Oh no! <laughs> Actually, yeah. yeah. In in the tokens deck, in the green white decks, everything is X four between Trostani and Venerated Loxodon, so that is the board wipe everyone's here on. Mm. It, it's a very sort of funky board wipe, um, which can be interfered with, you know, pump spell or anything like that. But yeah, it will see play, especially on big boards. Also, the her uh, enter the battlefield also has a delayed trigger whenever a creature dies this turn. So even if not everything dies, but everything gets shrunk a little bit, you can then play a removal spell later on to keep this chain going even further still, which is just another scary part of this card. Ah, interesting. Were those all of the cards you really wanted to touch on? I feel that we've covered a good ground, a good spread of what... The set looks to offer. Oh, I'm mistaken. There's one thing I do want to talk about, looks like big picture wise, but did you want to talk about anything else that was spicy or tickled your sensibilities? Um, I mean, Dovin's Veto. Oh, Dovin's Veto. Veto. Oh, <laughs> yes. Man. That has got everyone quite excited. Yep, a uh, white and a blue for an, oh, white and a blue for an instant. This spell can't be counted, counted target non creature spell. Ah. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> that has just so many possibilities so many possibilities that is going to be the thing which you pray you draw against the mirror match when they have sideboarded into fairy it's honestly as great as esper control is like i feel that this is still main deckable oh this is 100 percent main deckable um yeah that absorb you know, es- um, Esper in general is just looking really good. Uh, yeah, Esper has become the shell for control these days just because of the quality of the four mana Wrath, Kaya's Wrath. Mm. But having this is just another just a stern, hard counter that's going to be in standard for a very long time. This card will see play. It is very strong. For sure, yeah. What was the card you wanted to talk about? Uh, I wanted to talk about something uh, a bit more broad. I wanted to talk about some of uh, a returning mechanic-ish proliferate. Ah, yeah, I've seen it's beyond quite a few cards actually already. So 
Yeah, I think Wizards have kind of forgotten that this this set is going into standard and it's not just a thing for drafts because proliferate's silly in standard right now. Think of think of what we have in standard right now. We've got Ixalan, which is full of explore creatures. We've got Dominaria, which has decent plus one plus one counters cards. We have Guilds, which has a few decent plus one plus one counters cards. Sure. We have Allegiance, which has Riot and Adapt. And Teferi. Just and, Teferi yeah. by his own. <laughs> and there are, there's going to be an abundance of Planeswalkers just entering the format. Proliferate is so strong and so bold for Wizards to print right now. But it's come at the perfect time. And not as many people are, st- are talking about the slight change in the way that they've worded Proliferate as they, as they should be. Ah, oh, right. Has there been a change there? Uh, the old wording on Proliferate was choose any number of permanents and or players with counters on them, then give each another counter of a kind already there. Proliferate now says choose any number of permanents and or players you, with counters on them, then give each another counter of each kind already there. Ah, interesting. So if something has two different kinds of counters on it, instead of choosing one how the Proliferate used to work, you can give multiple kinds of counters. This doesn't sound quite as strong as, it, as you would think, but I feel that there, are, that there may be Planeswalkers that give themselves plus one, plus one counters, especially ones that can turn into creatures like Sarkin or Gideon. Yeah, proliferating in this set is definitely going to push the power level up. I think power level already is very, very strong in this set, so that on top of it is just going to really make it a very strong set. This certainly looks like a very strong set, and proliferate with all of the uncommon planeswalkers that can only tick down. Being able to give them extra life is very effective on such so many just common effects. And don't forget that a mass puts counters onto the army tokens. Ah, yes, of course. So that makes your army just massive really quick. Yes, I, as a Drake's player on In Paper and Arena, an Invade the City is going to be something I'm going to be looking to picking up just to create a very large army token in the late game. That is mildly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be also quite nice in uh, in Blue-Red Commander decks, possibly. It'll be like a reverse uh, a reverse Rise from the Tides. Yeah, really liking this set and the direction Wizards have chosen to take with it. When they put up the claim of 36 Planeswalkers, they were able to handle it very well. They've been able to put the power into a very decent place. Everything looks reasonable. I'm very excited, and we're going to enter a brave new world because standard's going to, standard and the state of magic is going to change a lot going forward after this set. I feel it. I just feel it. Yeah, this is the reset button Wizards are pushing, I feel. so. Yep, because after this we'll get a core set and then a brand new plane and uh, Excellent and Dominaria leave with rotation, but we'll be left with this state of power for a very long time, and I'm very excited to see what happens to multiple formats going forward. Mm, definitely. Uh, now to you, listeners, we want to hear from you. Have there any in, been any interesting cards that you want to see put into decks across multiple formats? Do let us know on our website, on our Twitter, uh, at pending hashtag. Keep looking at those spoilers and tell us what you think. Is it as powerful or have we missed something? Yeah, so we'd very much love to know if we've missed anything. But until then, I've been Adam Ray talking about things here on Fantastic Universes. My good friend and brother-in-arms will here as well. Lovely to see you guys. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll, more will be coming very soon. But until next time, live free and play well. Bye. Cheerio.
Fantastic Universes podcast created by Stephen Ray and Adam Ray. Original music by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana. All of it can be found at ProfessorElemental.com or TCRecords.com. T-E-A-S-E-A Records.com. You can follow us on Twitter at pending hashtag links below. Thank you. <laughs>